Hey everyone, I'm Anthony Georgiatis from Pastel, a technology platform that provides a better world for NFT creators, collectors, and builders through innovative NFT protocol standards like our new duplicate detection protocol, as well as our permanent storage system. Enjoy this awesome episode of Edge of NFT, my good friends, Ethan, Jeff, and Josh. Thanks. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored Spotlight episode features Anthony Georgiadis, co-founder of Pastel, which aims to be the world's most advanced, secure, and decentralized blockchain for NFTs and to revolutionize how creators and collectors interact in a peer-to-peer banner. Without the high fees or intermediaries that currently impede the physical world and competitive platforms. In addition to his duties as co-founder, Anthony is a general partner at Innovating Capital, a technology fund focused on disruptive companies and digital assets that have incubated pastel networks since day one. Anthony previously spent time on the investment team at First Round Capital and on the operations teams of various startups. He studied finance and management and computer science at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton and Engineering Schools. Anthony, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. So great to have you here. And I will throw in robotics too, because I saw that on your LinkedIn, man, but I noticed it wasn't in your uh, in your profile that you guys shared. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that you got to be cool if like, you know, the robotics gets left off because there's so much other good stuff there. <laughs> yeah, the robotics, the robotics was interesting. I, I wouldn't classify myself as a uh, roboticist by any means, just given that there's just so much talent and people way smarter than me in this space. But it was cool to just kind of study and immerse myself in computer vision and obviously a lot of emerging tech that's actually become a critical part of Pastel, actually. It would be cool if you're a roboticist botanist. I think that would be fun on behalf <laughs> if you cool. could do such a thing. I like that. <laughs> Rhythm. Something like that. Well, Anthony, look, man, on your website, it says that your goal is to ensure that even in a hundred years, the world does not lose access to a single one of NFTs entrusted to the Pastel Network. I love the clarity of that statement, man. How did such a bold declaration you know, and a project like Pastel come to be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, in short, our founder, Jeff, you know, back in 2018, which, you know, back in 2018, it's only been a few years, but in the crypto world, that's like, you know, 100, had kind of a vision and the wherewithal to see where the path of NFTs was going. You had projects like Red Pepe, Counterparty Color Coins, CryptoKitties, et cetera, that were coming to market. And they were just prevalent with a number of different underlying inherent problems, a lot of which are still kind of persistent today. Storage was one of those you know, huge items, right? And just the idea of being able to have a permanent decentralized storage solution for both the data and intrinsic metadata itself of underlying NFTs that could just basically you know, stand the test of time, right? In a fully decentralized fashion, not relying on an external dependency like IPFS pinning, not relying on basically a you know, hyperlink that points to some sort of centralized server. You know, we've seen projects that have been susceptible to rug pulling in that respect as well. So 
you know, that's actually, I think, one of the core aspects of the platform itself. You know, Pastel was always really meant at its core to be this layer one blockchain that really became the standard for various protocols as it pertains to NFTs specifically, one of which being our storage layer itself. That's so interesting. And, you know, we recently have this conversation on the show. Not all NFTs are created equal. And, and people don't realize that. They go to OpenSea, they hit buy, and they think they have an NFT. But, but what you guys have done is sort of figured out that there's a lot of inherent challenges and nuances to building a network that actually supports NFTs that, that can last. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, so when you buy a smart contract based NFT today, you're acquiring basically a token ID um, and effectively a you know hyperlink that will point to effectively where that actual metadata is, is stored. And that could be a centralized server that could be reliant upon IPFS pinning, things like that. For us, it was important to have both the actual NFT itself and the underlying data that it represented to be tightly coupled. And so we basically built out a, a sophisticated ticketing system and intrinsic storage layer on the network itself to allow for such. And so, you know, the storage layer, you can think about it as follows. Basically, I think the best analogy is, you know, you upload an NFT to the platform itself. We take the actual data, we chop it up into a bunch of little blocks, we copy those blocks, and then we randomly distribute it to every single supernode on the network itself. And so even if, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the nodes just randomly just went down, you could still recover the actual data from the actual remaining nodes on the network. And so to us, it's just, it, it was a very important problem to solve. And, you know, since being founded in 2018, it's been years in the making, basically, to, to develop this system. And it's become a token, it's become a protocol standard as well. So it's exciting to see us when we're taking this out to market, um, just the number of layer one platforms, existing NFT marketplaces, you know, commercial enterprises that are excited to, you know, partner, not, partner with us, work with us and, you know, leverage some of these protocols, such as the storage layer. Yeah, I can really appreciate that. And, and as we say in our intro, right, we're here standing the test of time as well, you know, with the projects we explore. So we're, we can definitely resonate with that long-term vision you guys have. Can you talk our listeners through the, the beta launch of Pastel Marketplace? What's, uh, what's, that, what's that all about? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, to take a quick step back, and as I mentioned, Pastel Network at its core is a layer one blockchain built on intrinsic data integrity of the core NFTs themselves. So for us, it was important to, you know, beyond actually building out these protocols that other layer ones, other NFT marketplaces could leverage, but to also launch our own marketplace directly on top of Pastel that would leverage all of our core functionalities. Initially as kind of a proof of concept, but, you know, over time to solve some of the other intrinsic issues, such as network congestion, high transaction fees, you know, storage constraints, you know, lack of proven authenticity and whatnot. But then even beyond that, just some of the frictions of user onboarding. And so effectively for us, it was you know, quite critical to, to build a marketplace that you know, was as easy as almost swiping a credit card for users to onboard to. And so for us, the focus was always on day one, having the most user-friendly, user-intuitive platform that would really cater to not necessarily just crypto-native users, but any sort of both existing and aspiring digital creator or collector in the world. Yeah, that's so important. We talk about that over and over again on here, the, the folks that are the, the underlying technology, of course, super important, super revolutionary, but the folks are, who are going to you know, help 
let this stuff stand the test of time are the ones that are going to bring it to the mainstream, the ones that are going to make it easy, you know, just press a button, swipe a credit card, you know, even easier than that, right? It's the future we're looking at. Totally. And I think an important distinction here is that Pastel is not just a NFT marketplace. It's, it's a network. And there's a lot of different layers of functionality to Pastel that you've sort of started to talk to us about and still sort of trying to understand it all because there's a lot there. One, one thing that comes to mind is this near duplicate NFT detection. What's that all about and why does that matter? Oh, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, look, if you think about it, blockchain was or blockchain is an amazing piece of technology. You know, for the first time, users can actually from a you know pure fashion without any sort of central intermediary, without the middlemen that you know really are pretty pervasive in the traditional contemporary art world, enabling users across the world to actually transfer goods, digital collectibles back and forth. With that, though, comes some intrinsic flaws, right? I could basically take you know, an existing NFT off of Solana, then basically rip it and basically, you know, trade it on any sort of Ethereum-based platform. It's the same NFT itself uh, or the same actual data itself, right? Or I could even just take that asset file. I can make a, an invisible change or a crop or basically just change some of the coloring effects. And if I'm reliant on some of basically, you know, the detection standards that we see today to see if the file is the same, which rely on something called a perceptual hash, the computer will think of that think about that file as something different because it is, I've changed a crop or, you know, I've basically changed a pixel on it. But from a human perspective, it's the same exact file, right? So for us, it was how can we actually emulate how a human would actually view an NFT as being relatively rare from a computer standpoint? So we've developed the system and at its core, we take the NFT data, we go through a number of different deep learning methodologies to transform the pixel level data into a fingerprint. Right. And that fingerprint is, you know, a 10,000 plus digit vector. Right. And then we're able to actually then take that fingerprint and assess it against every other fingerprint that exists in the underlying data set. And that data set could be defined as all NFTs existing on pastel, all NFTs existing in the broader ecosystem or metaverse, and even effectively on the broader internet. You know, you can do a reverse image search on Google, whatever you, you might want to do. From there, we effectively assign a relative rareness score from zero to a hundred percent. A hundred percent being, you know, hey, this is you know the first time this computer has actually seen this level of rareness. Zero percent being, hey, this is an outright duplicate of something else. We've obviously seen a lot of scams, just outright fraud um, that's become a little bit more pervasive in the ecosystem in you know recent weeks and whatnot. Um, and so this was a problem that we definitely saw coming. And so it's exciting because this particular protocol, which you know stands on its own can be leveraged in a number of existing marketplaces as well. And so for us, it's, you know, hey, we have a lot of the tools, we have a lot of the infrastructure, you know, how best do we collaborate with a broader ecosystem and various aspects of the, you know, just general NFT community? That's really cool. And, you know, one thing that fascinates me about this project is that you've chosen to base it on the Bitcoin code, code base, which some people may find to be counterintuitive, but I know that that's actually your secret sauce. So, Maybe you could talk a little bit more about why you chose Bitcoin Codebase as sort of the foundation and how that relates to your on-chain distributed storage protocols. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let's just kind of take a quick step back. At the core, you know, the core kind of C-node, as we call it, is effectively 
a fork of Zcash, which is you know basically Bitcoin with um, a trusted setup and ZK Snarks. And so that's our core kind of consensus layer, right? From there, we basically levered on top of it the concept of these you know super nodes, which require users to stake a certain amount of PSL and run a very very high powered server or client, which runs a lot of these deep learning methodologies, which has um, you know, enough storage to actually help store these blocks that I referred to in the storage protocol. Um, and so those are the kind of the two core aspects of the system that work together. Going back to kind of the Bitcoin aspect, if you look back in time, there's been a lot of research. And, you know, over the last couple of years, people have definitely gone down kind of the Web3 route of, you know, smart contract design, things like that. But smart contracts actually have a lot of limitation from our perspective in the sense of they're very, very good for, you know, general purpose type applications in the world of, you know, decentralized finance in particular, credit markets, even kind of insurance and lending products as well. But for very, very kind of specific, you know, feature-based applications like NFTs, you know, we kind of thought of a better way of a very kind of custom, highly flexible ticketing system that leveraged the intrinsic UTXO model of Bitcoin, leveraging something called pay-to-fake multisig. And so effectively, you know, we've been able to design this ticketing system that's intrinsic to the actual way that Bitcoin functions at its own. So each actual, you know, Bitcoin transaction or, you know, UTXO is actually transmitting this, you know, ticket level data. So you can almost kind of think about the ticketing system as mirroring smart contracts in some way, but it just enables us to actually, you know, bolt on additional features over time as well. So Hey, we can create a ticket for a new collection or a new series. We can create a, t- a ticket for basically limiting kind of basically, you know, you know, adding the floor or the reserve price or whatever it might be. You know, who knows where we're going to be in um, a couple of years, right? Maybe we need a ticket for basically an NFT that pertains to, I don't know, an apartment building or something in the real estate sphere. So for us, it was a lot more of a flexible, agile model over time. But just one actually other thing to add in terms of, you know, why Bitcoin, why, you know, Zcash, etc. More than anything, we wanted something that started off with a very, very rock solid, extremely secure foundation that was reliable, durable, etc. Obviously, we've seen some of the, the broader network congestion issues and, you know, some of the smart contract based platforms. I'm a big fan of Solana. Full disclosure, big investor, but we've had obviously some outages that have happened in recent time. And I think that you know these smart contract platforms are going to solve a lot of problems as it pertains to you know financial applications that require a drastic you know high throughput, you know very high transactions per second where speed is critical. But in the case of NFT applications, where um, it might be actually less about you know transactions per second and velocity, but more about the actual core functionality durability, and security as it pertains to, you know, storage, proven authenticity, et cetera. It's amazing stuff, man. Thank you for, for sharing the details of that. You mentioned partnerships as it related to the duplicate NFT detection feature. As you look at the broader blockchain ecosystem, what are some of the other ways that Pastel is thinking about partnering with other key layer two players? Yeah, absolutely. I guess just to kind of a quick step back, what I love about the way that these protocols have been designed is they're very, very lightweight. They're very easy to integrate. You know, it's as easy as basically, hey, I'm I'm minting an NFT on, you know, Rarible, right? And I basically make a function call to, you know, the Pastel new duplicate detection protocol that basically sends it, you know, passes through the actual data and returns a JSON with a relative rareness score, which then gets minted on that NFT. And the same with the storage layer, right? It will just basically re- reference back to a, you know, basically hash that's been signed by, you know, three super nodes on the network itself. 
And so the way to actually integrate it is, you know, it's a level of interoperability where any layer two marketplace, any application can actually leverage some of these, you know, specific protocols that I mentioned. Or you could launch your own entire on-chain marketplace directly on the Pastel network. You can basically, you know, do anything, launch your own application, whatever it might be. And so it's been exciting to see, you know, a lot of the progress we've made recently with, you know, a few actually, you know, platforms that you guys have had on your podcast in the past, which we'll be kind of announcing in the coming weeks, as well as even just commercial enterprises that are looking to launch, you know, on-chain marketplaces directly on Pastel, just given the, you know, very, very, you know, lightweight, durable aspect to it. And then also layer one blockchains that are launching their own marketplaces that, you might not necessarily have some of the functionality that we've developed or basically you know, would prefer to leverage our storage layer, our relative rareness checks and things like that. That's amazing, man. Any way we can, can pull out of you any of, those, any of those partnership names or collaborations <laughs> right now? Well, there's a couple that will be coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks. And as I kind of alluded to, that <laughs> you've, uh, you've definitely chatted with some of them in the past. So I'll definitely keep you abreast as things become... <laughs> All right you know, official and come to market. <laughs> we, we, we narrowed it down a little bit. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. We, we only have 47, 40, yeah, <laughs> your episode 48. So that doesn't help too much, but. We got some big ballers out there. So that's awesome though. Congrats. Is it animal, vegetable or mineral? Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're curious. So, you know, we talked about some of these maybe layer two players you'd partner with, but but what about like potential commercial applications and partners in that respect? Can you give us any details on what you might foresee in the future or at present? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's actually a couple of talent agencies that are looking to launch white label solutions that are either kind of branded towards specific creators that are trying to tailor, you know, tailor themselves towards that creator's specific audience or just for their broader base of different creators and entertainers that they represent. And then on the flip side, there's a couple of players in kind of the actual gaming and you know, sports gambling space that are looking to launch NFT platforms. And we're working with you know, their existing labs to basically help provide some of these resources that I alluded to as well. So um, it's exciting to see too where the market's going because you know, it's still very early, right? And from a lot of people's perspectives, NFTs are digital collectibles. But they mean a lot more than that, right? Anything that, you know, is, you know, should be immovable, should be kind of stale, will become an NFT in the future. And that could be anything from a piece of property in the real estate markets to the credit markets, all the way to basically, you know, gaming, even data itself, right? Think about data that's being minted from an oil refinery in a certain point in time, or even kind of an IoT device. You know, these are certain applications that are, I would say, you know, not you know, months or even a couple of years, but several years away. But it's exciting to see a lot of the commercial applications that people are starting to explore. I'm actually surprised that the media has not necessarily garnered as much attention on some of those applications just yet. Uh, but you know, obviously being in the weeds and you know, talking with a lot of these enterprises, there's a lot of idea generation and a lot of innovation in the works. Totally. Yeah. I mean, one one use case that I, I recently became aware of is these gambling apes and, and monkeys that you can buy <laughs> and, and be part of these decentralized casinos, right? But but as I think through that, I think of the challenges with this concept of sort of dripping profits from a casino into someone's wallet from an NFT, a lot of security issues, a lot of things where your technology would help, you know, shore up the hatches. For sure. A hundred percent. I mean, actually just kind of on, on a side note too. Yeah. Not to go off on a, on a tangent, but you mentioned cool. apes. One other application. We, we like tangents. It's all good. Get <laughs> off. One thing that I do love about what we're seeing, like if you look at 
um, the Bora Yacht Club, which to me represents an interesting aspect of the ecosystem. Basically, ownership as membership, right? If I own basically one of these apes, I get access to a specific community with other ape owners. That gives me rights to you know certain airdrops, certain memorabilia, etc. So the impact that this actually can have on the broader realm of social media is quite insurmountable as well. And so we'll kind of see where that goes as well. But I, I do think that some of the existing social media players, you know, definitely need to you know, potentially keep an eye out or play catch up on this. Just talking with some of these, you know, talent agencies too, I, I think people have been a little bit more reactive than proactive, whereas, you know, the community is moving so fast and evolving in certain ways that, you know, if you don't get on board, you're basically going to get, you know, left behind. Yeah, totally agree. You know, we talked about the focus right now has been on these gas wars. Who wants to pay $800 in gas for an NFT <laughs> that costs $500? you know, in speed issues. But yeah, that was crazy when Solana shut down for, I think, almost 24 hours, if not more. I'm not sure, but it shut down for a while. These are the conversations of the day. What do you think the the conversations are going to be like tomorrow? And, and how does the, what's the future of the NFT market look like? Yeah. I mean, look, in terms of obviously, you know, where Solana is right now, I think people do forget that this project has just been in existence for a couple of years and they've made obviously, you know, tremendous progress in a short period of time, right? The team there is, is, you know, incredible. They've executed on a number of their objectives, but at the same time, right, you've had basically an inflow of different dApps, smart contract platforms, et cetera, you know, living on top of, you know, Solana. And there's, there's obviously a trade-off by having kind of a single state, state, single shard mechanism intrinsically tied to proof of history and verifiably delayed functions themselves. And so, you know, there's obviously, you know, kinks that are being worked out right now. And so I think people also forget that, you know, hey, it's early innings. These are growth pains in the platforms themselves. But to kind of tie that back to, you know, the world of NFTs and, you know, high transaction fees and network congestion and things like that. Obviously, I think obviously, you know, solving those problems today to open up the world to any creator around the world getting comfortable Hey, I don't want to necessarily risk, you know, a hundred bucks or three hundred bucks to mint my first NFT. That you know, I don't know if it's going to get any traction or sell. I'm an aspiring digital artist, and this is the first time I actually can, you know, mint my creation. So I think solving those problems is, you know, critical to actually reach a broader audience of adopters worldwide. You know, I think that there's the percent volume transactions in terms of the NFT environment today is still heavily associated with what I would view as kind of crypto native users. And so we haven't necessarily reached mass adoption. We're far from it. So, you know, where does the world look like tomorrow? I think it's kind of reaching that point of, you know, mass scale consumer adoption, enterprise adoption, you know, in some of the applications I mentioned. Um, and then beyond that, obviously a handful of those kind of, you know, broader applications in the world of credit markets, real estate, you know, data, et cetera. You know, some of the other exciting stuff that we're starting to see as well Obviously, you know, DAO spinning up, um, fractionalization, even NFT indices, right? What is one thing that's quite interesting is if you think about it, we're still very early, but the, you know, look at the price of or the floor of CryptoPunks or apes today. Um, you've already created this intrinsic barrier in a world that's is supposed to be relatively accessible, decentralized, and open to, you know, to the masses, right? So if I'm a user and I'm aspiring to, you know, actually garner a crypto punk, I've already basically been priced out from an economic standpoint. So what's really exciting to me are some of these kind of fractionalization protocols and standards that enable groups to actually, 
you know, spin up DAOs, decide what they're going to acquire. And now, hey, you know what? Um, a thousand people can pull together enough funds to acquire a punk and they each have a fractional piece of ownership on that. They have the right to basically display it as theirs, you know, their ownership component of that and can actually go out and compete with, you know, maybe the world, the whales of the world that would, you know, basically just go buy a, you know, piece themselves. And to me, it's a little bit more exciting and different than in the world of contemporary art, right? Yeah, I can buy a fractional piece of a painting, but I don't get, you know, to display that piece, right? So I think that's one side of the world in terms of where I see it going. That's, you know, also quite innovative. Are there any particular, you know, projects or platforms that we haven't discussed today that, that stand out to you as, as movers and shakers, kind of game changers that will help kind of bring that future here to the present? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, obviously, you have platforms like Sharding DAO. You have a platform on Solana called Burnt Finance that I think is bringing kind of a lot of protocol standardization around auction mechanisms for pricing. You know, you have, you have NFTX. So there's there's a lot of innovation going on in the world today across all these different mechanisms that I mentioned. But yeah, a couple of those those definitely stand out to me. Right on, man. Well, look, it's been great to learn about Pastel. And I think we'd love to show our viewers, the folks that will watch this on uh, on YouTube. And so if you're listening, you can head over there and take a peek at a demo. I think uh, Anthony has one uh, that he can share with us. So uh, we'd love to take a look at that if you're down. Yeah, for sure. I'll start off with, yeah, I'll, I'll show you a little sample of kind of the, the marketplace itself. Can you guys see this? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, this is kind of a, a quick recording of our most recent an actual pastel marketplace in action. You kind of see it's it's you know very sleek, very user intuitive and friendly. And the general idea behind it was to also kind of emulate, you know, think back on what I mentioned with respect to the social media aspects of where I think actually NFTs can, you know, garner a lot of market share and take things over. So for us it was important to have something that, you know, really had basically a significant aspect of you know, social media community engagement associated with it. So you can see here, obviously, a user, you know, basically listing out their specific followers, you can have friends, you can leave comments, you have your own basically comment board, you know, per creation, you know, per creator. To us, it was important to have a, a very interactive design that, you know, as you can see, is, you know, quite user friendly, user intuitive. This aspect too is was important for us as well. How can we make it super easy for non crypto native users who aren't necessarily super familiar with you know, a, a private key, right? But obviously, with the reliant and redundant security, cryptographic schemes has kind of the backing, but, you know, also being enabled to, you know, have basically just a, a you know, a simple password with 2FA. This is obviously here is kind of the input data if I'm actually going to register an NFT. You can see here, obviously, it makes it super fluid for users to basically, you know, create the title, create the series, add specific hashtags to the collection, create a series name, create a number of copies, add a perpetual royalty. And what I think is super cool is basically provide a link to you know the creator's website, as well as creation video. Hey, this is me actually creating the NFT. This is me in process of you know actually putting it together. One thing too, is you can actually mint the NFT as a green NFT. And what that means is the transaction fees themselves will get sent back to a, you know, a nonprofit that actually goes and plants trees to offset some of the carbon emission and be a bit more, you know, eco-friendly just in the broader environment. Obviously, we've seen, you know, certain issues in terms of sustainability take place today. This is kind of our image optimization component for users overall. And kind of what I what I want to show too is kind of this rareness score. And I'll kind of walk you through that a little bit more. But basically, you can see here basically, you know, going through the rareness system itself, here's kind of what the output looks like. Hey, basically, you know, here's how rare this NFT is to Pastel. Here's how rare it is to the internet. Basically, this is also an NSFW check. We leverage a lot of innovation to check that this is NSFW safe. And in this case, you know, it has a score of 100%. It's not susceptible to 
anything that would be, you know, NSFW. And then, you know, from there, basically, I'll just kind of flip over real quick to what I think is really cool. I mean, if you can see this, it's nothing too crazy here, but basically what it is, is it's just demonstrating kind of the contour image, the specific NFT itself. And so effectively, you know, this is one of the hardest problems of computer vision for quite some time is basically, hey, how can actually I identify, you know, that this is actually, you know, uniquely rare per se. The contour image effect is something that in the world of computer vision has been a very, very hard problem to solve, you know, for quite some time. And we've been able to really kind of, you know, hone down and, and hammer in on that. But yeah, so this one that you kind of just saw briefly demonstrates that, you know, hey, at the end of the day, by putting these two images side by side, we know that this is not a relatively you know, rare image itself. When our computer vision outputs a score of about 15%, demonstrating that this is, you know, not rare. Yeah, the, the, it detects those similarities, like really smartly. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think another cool thing, you know, you have the comments embedded, which I think is a really interesting feature. And I'm assuming based on your focus on authenticity, that you're able to sort of have, make sure these are real comments. You know, people have bots on Twitter commenting on their NFTs and on Discord. But but if this is all on the blockchain, the way that you're having people sign in, this is a really advanced feature set that you've built out. 100%, definitely. That's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing with us. And uh, again, to our listeners, head over to YouTube. You'll be able to check out that demo over there and uh, see some of the ins and outs of it. Very intuitive, very slick design. So um, thanks for sharing with us. So let's move over to segment three, our edge quick hitters, if that works for everybody. These are a fun and quick way to get to know you a little better. 10 questions. And we're looking for short single word or few word responses. But <laughs> you know, feel free to expand if you get the urge. Ready to jump in? Let's do it. Awesome. Question number one. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Mm, wow. It's got to be lemonade and a lemonade stand. Nice. Picking it up, supporting the community, the other kids out there selling stuff. Yeah. I would say pretty close second was um, a Frappuccino at Starbucks. Actually, full disclosure, I had a, uh, <laughs> I was a Frappuccino addiction at one point. I, I drank one or two of those a day <laughs> from when I was like five to young. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. <man>. So random. <laughs> All right. Well, well, flip side question too. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Oh, you know what? I sold candy at school. We basically weren't allowed to buy candy at school. So there was high demand, very low supply. And so I'd buy packs of Jolly Ranchers at CVS for, you know, two bucks for a bag and I'd sell each one for a dollar. So <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Racking up the big bucks, pushing candy. That's awesome, man. <laughs> awesome. Moving on. Question three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? Mm, a pudgy penguin. Mm, nice. Nice pickup. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Question four then. What's the most recent thing you sold? Ooh, what's the most recent thing I sold? TQQQ. Nice. A, uh, ETF. Yeah. Yep. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? Wow, that's going deep. I would probably say my crypto keys, no question. You want to tell us important <laughs> what those are, just to be more elucidated. Yeah, exactly. Or... Perfect. <laughs> take we'll notes. Keep, take notes. We'll keep them safe. Cool. Perfect. Take notes. What? What's the next one? <laughs> question six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Hitting deep again, buy anything in the world that's, you know what, this is this is kind of a, a luxurious item. I would love to buy the Los Angeles Dodgers. I would definitely, I would love to. I know we were chatting about that earlier, but 
I've always thought about a sports franchise and that franchise to me is it's built on on so much, you know, integrity, obviously just having kind of a solid rotation inside and out and obviously just, you know, prides itself on obviously achieving the best it can every year, but the underlying kind of core and just atmosphere there too is, you know, nothing like it. And you could do so many cool things with NFTs for the Dodgers that they probably haven't thought about yet, right? <laughs> exactly. You grab the Dodgers, I'll grab the Lakers. Let's take over LA, man. Let- Perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> Question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? If I could pass on, I would say the contrarian side of me, just being obviously, you know, not pessimistic per se, but you know, a little kind of skeptical just by nature. And kind of seeing the flip side of things, um, it's definitely helped in terms of just, you know, avoiding certain scenarios, just in terms of, you know, obviously the world, especially with just social media, data, access to information, and then misinformation, it can become a scary place. So just kind of looking at everything with kind of a, you know, a third eye, I would say. Right on. Super valuable. Flip side, question eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, (laughs) what would that be? Besides your Frappuccino addiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Almost even stemming from from what I just alluded to, you know, overthinking things, just being kind of a little too analytical. I think one of the best phrases I heard is the only truth in the world is your instinct and your gut, right? And so basically, you know, just kind of living by that a little bit more and not overthinking and overanalyzing everything too much. Right on. Sorry, but I have to follow that up like I did when that was last given is, are you sure that's your answer to that one? <laughs> nice. <All right. laughs> Little. <laughs> Let me think about that. <laughs> I love that you had the the intuition to buy a pudgy penguin. So far into it, you know, a lot of people buy these NFTs at the very beginning, but but clearly you trust your gut there too. <laughs> <laughs> Question nine, a little bit easier. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Oh, I was actually at a Missouri Mainnet conference. Just came straight from there. Um, oh, right on. So that was fun. Yeah. yeah. And question 10, last one, easy. What are you going to do next after uh, the podcast? Back to the conference. Uh, maybe some network events should be fun. There you go. Maybe some after parties. Good times. <laughs> we'll see. I'm getting too, getting too old for that, but you know, uh, we'll come see. on. It's crypto. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for playing with us. Appreciate it. And yeah, I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of ready to wrap up here, running out of time, but where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Pastel and what you guys are working on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, our website has um, a plethora of information, links to our different channels, but I would definitely follow us on Twitter, you know, join the Telegram um, just to kind of stay up to date in terms of all things Pastel. Amazing. Definitely check that out. Also, I heard that we have a killer giveaway lined up for our listeners. Do you want to touch base on that? I think uh, we have some background on that. Josh, did you want to touch on that or Anthony? Yeah, Josh, take it away. So we're going to be giving a lot of pastel tokens away to our listeners, giving them a chance to get to know the product better, follow you guys on Twitter and all those other good things and and become part of the ecosystem. This is really revolutionary what you're doing, Anthony. And we wanted to create a contest that gives people a chance to get involved. Yeah. So follow us on our socials. You'll be able to uh, read all about it there. I think something like 500,000 PSL across five different winners. So like 100,000 PSL each. Very cool. All about celebrating the launch of the platform. So again, keep an eye out. We'll get you all the details. Well, Anthony, thanks so much again for uh, for taking this time to uh, to introduce Pastel to all of our listeners and to give us all the deets as well as share some, uh, some personal perspectives on our Edge Quick Hitters. For sure. Thanks for having me.
All right. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episodes? Questions for hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We are learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.